0: for me to say, okay, all right, that's enough, because I'd already had plenty of very wise counsel that said, Bill, you don't need to stay. If you're done, be done with it. And the Lord released us, and here's what's happened. In the last couple of three weeks, when I really made that decision, because we're kind of holding out, saying, just give us a sign, Lord. Not only did he give me some prophetic dreams, I'm going to share a couple of those with you, but... uh, when I released it, when Deanna and I released this church and said, Okay, God, it really never was ours anyway. We were just called to this region of the country to plant something, and you were going to do what you want to do. Folks, when that happened, stuff deep down inside of me that's been asleep, that's been dormant now for years, has all of a sudden awakened. And my eyes have been opened, and um, God is showing us a pass, pathway forward for, for our calling. But God is not done with what was started at Church of the Shoals. What's happening is that what we have done is simply going to die for a season. And when I say die, you understand my wife's going to share the scripture. It doesn't. When a seed goes into the ground, it doesn't really die, does it? It, it takes a different form and a different shape. I guess I spoke prophetically several months ago. It says sometimes you got to have the death of a dream before you can see its resurrection. And that's all. Through. Abraham's dream had to die. Joseph's dream had to die. I mean, all those, in order for it to go down, but it came back up in another form, and it will come back up in another form here in, in the Shoals area. Uh, listen to the scripture. Like I said, for time's sake, I'm going to try to, Keep things tight, because I know, one, we got the babies in here already. Uh, mamas are wrestling with babies, and please help the preacher. Please help him to keep it tight. Uh, so we're going to have mercy, <laughs> okay? But I guess, I guess what we're going to do for the next couple of moments, we're going to talk revision, because God has given us a vision, but now he's going to revise what the vision is, because the vision hasn't changed, but how we're going to get to it has changed. Habakkuk 2, 2 through 3, and this is out of the um, complete Jewish Bible. says, Write down the vision clearly on tablets uh, so even a runner can read it. For the vision is meant for its appointed time. Now listen to the wording, because I and I picked this version. I like the way it, it, it words it. For the vision is meant for its appointed time, and it speaks of the end. Most most translation says it speaks at the end. The better translation is it speaks of the end. It's telling us of something that's come. And he's saying, wait for it, the vision is coming. You don't go to it. It comes to you. And it says, and it does not lie. And it may take a while, but wait for it, for it will surely come and it will not delay. So in a condensed version... For those of you who aren't aware of it, this would be a review for the rest of us. In 2004, God gave me a dream about planting a work in the Shoals. At that time, I was living over in Huntsville uh, and senior associate pastor at at the Rock Family Worship Center. Did not know what that meant, except I wrote it down. Years later, I'm I'm down in Jacksonville, Florida, serving in a church down there, and actually this man right here called me on the phone. Pastor Chris Mitchell and said, Are you aware that there's a church open that needs a pastor up in Florence? And and I said, No. He said, I felt prompted to call you. And so, sure enough, long story short, God opened the door to bring my family and I up to Florence, Alabama, to the shoals, to help with a church that was had just gone through some very challenging times and to help to move some things forward. And as you know, the Lord released us from that but I'm going to be honest with you after what happened at faith I really wanted to leave town I really wanted to get away because I came to this town with a good name and a good reputation but there were things that were said and done that that hurt me and that hurt my name and hurt my reputation I said, "I just want to get out to where I can get my name back and start over again the Lord said you don't leave on their terms you leave on mine and and I've called you to stay And I said, Lord, let us go. So there was even controversy in us starting this because of things that were said. It's like, look, I didn't want to start a church, but yet I went back and looked at the dream, and it said, you shall plant a great work. That's not taking a church, folks. That's starting something. And then fast forward, 2010, as as we're about to transition coming out of that church to start this one, I had a dream of a funnel cloud that came down and we were in the backyard of a house and it came down and it it, it came right up to me and it, it began to speak. It was it was a, a an entity, a principality that was in this vortex and it came right up to me and here's what it said. It said, I am going to destroy your name and I'm going to destroy your ministry. And it kept repeating it and it kept saying, there's sin in your life, there's things wrong. He said, I am going to destroy you And as he began to accuse me, I began to speak the word of God back to him. I said, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He said, but I'm going to take your name. I said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord raises. This went back and forth for about two to three minutes, I guess. And finally, I don't remember the last. Maybe it was no weapon formed against me. When I spoke that to this principality, he dissipated right before my eyes. And like dust, he fell to the ground. The skies instantly cleared, and out of the houses in the, in the neighborhood we were in, people started walking out and came and followed us. Well, I didn't realize God was warning me in a prophetic dream that the enemy, the spirit of the accuser, was going to attack me. And that happened not only once, but twice. Even in this church, the spirit of an accuser attacked this pastor. And the Lord was warning, saying, he's going to attack you. And I went back to the Lord, and I said, why, why me? Why is this thing coming after me? He said, because you are Jeremiah's almond tree. He said, because the word is in you and you speak the word. And he said, and the enemy is threatened by the word of God. He's not threatened by you as a man, but when the word is in the man, he's threatened by that because now you become a conquering force against the gates of hell. And so uh, the dream ended. We turned and we walked into the neighborhood. We did not go back into the house. We walked into the neighborhood, and we had people who followed us, but the dream ended. Uh, I asked the Lord sometime later, I said, what was the funnel cloud? This is kind of a teaching moment, if you'll stay with me. But the funnel cloud, he said, he said, the enemy has learned to replicate things in the kingdom of darkness that he saw in heaven in the, king, in the kingdom of heaven. He said, the cord of three strands is not easily broken, the Bible says. He said, "So what you're experiencing and what is strong in the shoals, what you walked into in Northwest Alabama, he said, there's there's a cord of three strands that have ruled over this area for many years. He said, it's a spirit of religion, it's a spirit of racism, and it's a spirit of rebellion. He said, and the the issue is, he says, that sometimes you're looking at religion, but you're seeing racism a la KKK. Uh, see, sometimes you're seeing." Um, A spirit of control, but it's a a, a deacon board, and so he'll mix it up, and so you're not really sure what you're dealing with to confuse you, and only the word of God can defeat this. So now let me back up. Uh, Before we left the Rock, we were in a prayer time with um, the staff there one day, and Rusty, Pastor Rusty, stopped and he said, "Bill, he said, I'm seeing a vision." And he said, I see you. He said, you got a machete in your hand. And he said, there's, there's a, 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 a thatch of briars and thorns that's going up this hill. And he said, and you're chopping. You're going through, and you're, you're chopping away. And he said, and Deanna's coming behind you. He said, and at the top of the hill, he said, there are other trails that were going up. And he said, and lots of people were going up those trails that were already made. He said, I'm watching. He said, and you would chop for a little bit, and you would stop, and you would look up at heaven. And you'd say, God... Why does it have to be so hard? He said, you were bloody, you were sweaty, and he said, you were tired. He said, but you kept working. He said, you talk some more, and you stop and back up and say, God, why does it have to be so hard? Why can't I take the way that's easy that other people have taken? He said, and this is what the Lord said in the vision. He said, because you're cutting a path for other people that can't go another way. You're making a way where there was no way. So that's a breaker anointing. That's why God sent us to this area, y'all, to help to advance something because the next is the breakthrough. The next is for the great work that's going to flourish and, and and be a great mighty testimony of the Lord. You understand that there are prophecies that have been spoken over this area. You understand there's prophecies been spoken over the state of Alabama that haven't come to pass yet. So what's the issue? God's waiting on us to get into his program and to, to follow through on what he wants to do I want to share with you, and come on up, honey. I want you to come with me. Um, this morning at 6 o'clock, I, I get a text from um, uh, different, different pastors, friends of mine. And this is from one of our board members, Greg DeVries, who, who I believe is a, is a true prophet of God. And um, I'm going to go ahead and share with you, this is very personal. But I'm going to go ahead and share with you what he said because here's a prophet. Here's what a prophet spoke to this pastor and his wife and I believe to us today, and I want you to hear it. He said, Bill and Deanna, you've poured out your life as a drink offering and you've not run in vain. You have done what he sent you to do. Your work is finished, and you have finished well. You are not the first prophet he sent to his vineyard in whom they refused. But know this, my son and my daughter, that... uh, uh, You will not be refused by me. With honor and faith and integrity, you have served me. Now it is I who will serve you. My hand is on you and my thoughts are with you and not against you. So today, I want us to take a moment and think about where we've come from. Because we have all run this race. But now you're going to continue to run the race for what's here And God is releasing us to run to something else. So honey, I want you to take a moment and just give some highlights on some of the things that the Lord, what the Lord has accomplished through us over the last four years.
1: Well, the scripture that I want to share with you this morning, actually, um, it was dropped into my spirit uh, and I knew it was from the Lord. And it's out of John 12. 24, and I encourage you to go read it in different versions because it makes me happy when I read it in different versions, but this one is actually in the NIV, and it says, unless a kernel of wheat goes into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. The complete Jewish Bible says, a big harvest, (laughs) that's when I'm like, woo, yeah, a big harvest, and then um, in the uh, message version, which we all know Tim Hawkins likes, but... um, <laughs> Anyways, um it says it says um, listen carefully unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it is on- never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it die but if it is buried, it sprouts and reproduces itself many times over. In the same way anyone who holds on to life just as it is just, it destroys that life. But if you go, let it go reckless in your love, you'll have a forever and eternal inheritance. And I'm like, Whoa, that's good too. So anyways, this is exciting for me because we sat down and we just thought about all that God has done through the church. And I say the church, um, uh, in the last five years. And this is a Testament of the church rising up. For two and a half years in East Florence and two two years in Carver Heights, we went door-to-door and did ministry. We had three clothing and food giveaways serving 3,000 people, seeing 150 salvations or more because, you know, we don't ever know. People could get saved and never, you know, come forward. Two Mother's Day outreach and monthly kids outreach at Carver Heights, and we know that we had 70 little kids give their hearts to God through that. Um, the last time we were out there with the kids' ministry. We went to Florence Nursing Home, thanks to Mary Ann Miles <laughs> and her heart, um, for two years on a monthly basis. We were over there just, you know, and all you had to do was sing hymns. Sing hymns to the little people. They loved it, and so I encourage you to continue to do stuff like that. Two hundred Christmas nursing home boxes went and were distributed for three years in a row. I mean, not all two hundred at one time, but over a three-year period at the nursing home, we went we went over there every Christmas for three years and did the, did the nursing home uh, boxes. We sent out a hundred Operation Christmas Tree uh, Christmas boxes for uh, Franklin and Graham's Christmas Operation. We fed eighty-eight families through at Thanksgiving that's what you guys did foster families they're foster families and we did a foster moms honored them with a the lunching last may we gave out 1300 water bottles distributed for handy fest this past year and we prayed for countless people and touched many people's lives And then through the church, um, Pastor Bill was able to serve on the National Day of Prayer Committee for three years. He and Robert Turner led the PM night of intercession at the Shoals Theater uh, on the days of prayer. Pastor Bill served with the Disaster Relief Committee to encourage pastors after the 2011 tornadoes, and we prepared baskets um, for, what, like 300 pastors? And then um, we sent teams to gather up relief items. For tornado victims, pastor served on the North Alabama Friends of Israel board, and he also attended the mayor's prayer breakfast quarterly to pray into the, to the area pastor also served as a crisis counselor team at Brooks High School this past year at the recent suicide of a student. And our congregation and pastor were requested to join many black services around the, the city, to black, black con- congregation services for u- unity services. And that's really important in this area. Um, pastor called us for extended seasons of prayer and fasting over the last two to three, usually, usually doing two or three a year, beginning at the year, um, and a summer one, and usually a fall fast during the feast times. And we cha- he challenged us to read the Bible and know the Word. He encouraged us to be aware of our time and history and biblical prophecy. And we were able to give offerings to Israel. I remember specifically that offering was like over a thousand dollars to Israel. And we were able to give offerings to Africa, America, an orphanage in China, Europe, and, and a YWAM team. We sent them, and and we sent that team into the nations. Just this past this like two months ago, Um, and then restoring the foundations of faith, family, and raising up the foundations of many generations. But because of the church, that's what we were able to accomplish in the five years that we've been Church of the Shoals.
0: Wow. Now, folks, that was, she went through the list fast. And Chris, you were here with, with a lot of that Folks, for a little old church, if I can put it like a country boy, for a little old church like that, that's a lot. And the stuff that we did, you understand, it stirs up the gates of hell. By us praying and standing with Israel, look at what's happening right now. The enemy hates Israel, and yet we've stood with Israel. Look at the the stronghold that... That racism has had on this city and this region for years, and yet you've got churches asking this this lily white preacher, this sanctified redneck, to come into theirs and us and say we want a fellowship with you. What does that mean? There's something in us and something that in them that says we want to bring together unity. We we want to break this curse and that religious spirit. And I I think all of us because some of you said this to me. That's probably one of the strongest things that we've fought as, as a church because it's strong in this area. And yet God is stronger than religion, isn't he? And, and we're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. I want to share with you because we're reflect, reflecting, but we're going to switch here in a moment and go into projecting, to, to revision. A lot of us have talked about and, and, and pondered and discussed, you know why have, why have people come and gone since we started? And my answer, my take on this is, I believe many of you would agree with this, in some cases, some of those folks who came were sent only for a season. They were sent to to help us to advance where this vision was taking us and then at some point jump off. Others, quite frankly, as you know in this area, this is real strong, there's a lot of people who do church hopping. They go from one church to another, and they do not understand the concept of covenant to the body of Christ. That once you come to a church and you, you become involved in a part of that church, how can the eye say to the hand, I have no need of you? So you're a part of the DNA. So it's only in the American mindset that people shop God on Sunday morning. It's God's will that we find a church and let our roots, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, shall flourish in the courts of the Lord. So it's real important. But that's for those, you know, uh, those who've left right, uh, who've left, well, those who've left right, you know, I believe that how you leave a place determines how you arrive at the next place. All right? And you've got to be real careful that you leave the house behind you right, lest you carry baggage and sow into your future. A lot of people don't realize that. Let me tell you what my heart is for those who've spoken against me and those who've caused division in this church. Here's what Joseph said to his brothers. He said, what you meant was evil. He said, but God meant it for good. And in Genesis 50, 20, he says, and and to bring pass as it is this day that many be saved. And so... When, when someone speaks against me or, or tries to sabotage my name or my ministry or hurt my family, understand that person will reap back upon themselves the very curses that they're sending out. That's a very serious thing, y'all. And so what have I prayed? I don't, and I want you to, because when we come to the altar here in a moment for communion, I want us to do this. I want you to look me in the eyes. So I want you to know there's no one that has come to this church that's left that I hold animosity or unforgiveness toward. I have turned them over to the Lord and I've said, Lord, have mercy because I believe that they've been blinded. They can't see what they've done. And what I'm called to do and you're called to do, we're called to forgive the way that we're forgiven. Amen. Is there anything you don't want forgiven? So you got to forgive everything. And then I'm called to love the way that I'm loved. So when I see my brothers and my sisters out and about in the neighborhood, because we're going to be here for a little while longer, we're just going to start traveling out. When I see them, I'm going to love them the way the Lord loves me. The Bible says overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome with evil. Overcome evil with good. And so I want us to do that uh, at the altar when we come together. I want to read to you the last line of um, President Lincoln's second inaugural address. I believe it fits here when we're talking about how do you deal with people. And and I don't want to give in, you know, there's some things I'm dealing with right now in departure that we just should not be having to be deal, uh, dealing with, and yet people are not acting right. I'm just going to put it that way, all right? But listen to what Lincoln said. This was, of course, after the... Uh, after the Civil War, and he says, And with malice toward none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right, let us strive to finish the work we're in, and to bind up the nation's wounds, and to uh, uh, to do it all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves and for all the nations. So I want you to hear that. As I leave this place, whether it's this church or faith church, I leave with no malice in my heart toward anyone. Why? Because if, if I hold unforgiveness toward somebody, I can't be forgiven. And that's, that's all for all of us. Amen? And so we, we make a turn here. We, we are looking forward, and yes, things happened the way, they, they turned out in a way that I didn't think, but nevertheless, church, The vision that God has that he gave me still goes on. It's just now, if you'll look here at the Davis's, he has said through this man and and our other folks and other pastors, of course, Mike couldn't be here today. His work, Pastor Zink's down in, he's been in and out of the country. He's what? Yeah, he's in Thailand. Um, They all wanted me to send their blessing and say, thank you for serving for all the work that you've done for the kingdom. But when the Lord says, finished, here's what I've learned, is that something can't begin until something else comes to an end. And you have to allow something to stop so something can begin. And so now this vision takes up and it goes forward. So let me tell you what the Lord will have us do with the assets that this church has. We're going to sow them into the Rock Family Worship Center. And here's why. Number one is that they have sown into us, and they don't have the time to list for you, but between the things of like helping us with stuff, sound equipment, things that we've needed, helped us with the van when we went to Miami, um, put on the youth camps. I mean, I could go right down the line. There's a lot of things that The Rock helped us with that you're not aware of, and they did it with no strings attached. They just said, uh, that, that's our, one of our sister churches. We will help you, Okay. Um, the other reason, and you need to know this, is that this is the legal way for us to transfer the assets of this church, because there is no other other way to do it that would actually be ethical or right. But with the IRS, it's it's the legal way is to say the things that we have that that, that are of value, that we sow it into another church, and that way it's 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 a wash. All right, it's all equal. The third reason is this church is that The Rock will be starting a church here, a campus church at the beginning of the year. And I I can't tell you everything in that of what I know, but I can tell you this. What, What is in the heart of Pastors Rusty and Lisa, what's in their vision, it's what's been here. And what is in the DNA of that church is what is in the DNA of this church. In other words, the things that they are already pursuing and have been now for 14 years, I think it is, 16, uh, it's the things that you and I at this point of transition were already pursuing. So in other words, the seed goes down, but it comes back up. So we sow it into them and they'll be able to pick up to where uh, we have left off with this. Do you want to share anything along that? Let me say a couple of things. It's just just, uh, bless you, by the way. Uh, a couple of other little things. Um, we will, as I shared with you, be making sure all loose ends are tied uh we're going to need some help because actually we're trying to set a date perhaps perhaps next not not this coming week because spring break but next week to be the move date um and uh, we're going to be bringing the pews that were in here down from uh, fayetteville putting them in and then putting these chairs in storage until uh the, the future launch starts um but one thing we will say, if you've got something lost or found or something you've loaned the church, please, in the next couple of weeks, let us know so that we can get those to you. The other thing is we'll let you know we need some help with, like, uh, painting up, touching up, and getting the building really clean. Because here's what we, we want to do. We want to leave this building looking nice and very clean as a witness to our Lutheran friends. Okay, so we're going to need some help in that. So I just want to let you know uh, that um, right now. Uh, God has released us church I'm going to try to keep this short in making the decision to say okay I am now stepping down from the pastor at Church of the Shoals once I made that decision it's like I said all of a sudden things in me began to wake up I began to have vision of things that were there but I've not been able to pursue them because planting a church is a lot of work And it absorbs you. It keeps you focused. And so I've been, you know, I've been writing on a book now for probably over 10 years. I'm close to having this book ready for publishing, but I haven't been able to get to it because of where we've been. There are three areas that God is releasing us to that today I'm going to, and who was I telling? Uh, Miss Barbara came up to me and said, can I get your address? I'm just going to be bold and tell you after today, we as pastors become missionaries. And I want to stand before you and say, we, we want to be sent out. I'm going to have Dr. Rodden and Chris pray over. I want you to pray over and send us out. Uh, but not only do we need your prayers, we're going to need financial support. Can I tell you, we have stepped out of the boat, and we're trusting God. I mean, we're trusting God. That's all I can tell you is that we're just trusting God. And what I have found is that he's good and he is faithful is he is he not so um, in this uh, God has already opened up here's the crazy thing just in the last few weeks I've had pastors from different states who know I'm pastoring I haven't gotten many calls to come speak and a lot of them I've turned down I said because I'm trying to I was embattled here and trying to get you know I got to birth this church through and get it so I just turned down I've had opportunities to go and take churches Y'all, but I felt, no, God's not released me from here. So as soon as I began to say, okay, I'm going to do this, the phone started ringing and pastor saying, will you come and speak for us? And the Lord has said, no, you're not going to be an evangelist. You've got a message for the nation. And that is when he comes, he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers lest he strike the earth with a curse. In other words, there's a sovereign move that's happening right now of restoring broken fatherhood and fatherless kids to make them feel loved and accepted and adopted, so that's the first thing is that that's going to take us into churches to do that. The other thing is faith. Um, I told you I hadn't heard from some people in years. The the guy and his wife that introduced Diane and I on a blind date called me. I haven't talked to him in. That's well, probably longer than that When We were still over at the Rock. Uh, we'd just Anyway, it's been a long, probably 14 years last time we had talked to them. He calls me and says, I'm just trying to catch up with you. He said, I don't know what's going on with you. He said, but I, I'm pastoring a church now here in Tallahassee. I want you to come and speak. And he says, and, and he's, he, he was the campus director at Florida State University for Chi Alpha. That's their campus ministry. He said, not, and he said, I am over... He said, I'm not doing the campus ministry anymore. He said, I'm over all the colleges and universities in southeastern United States. And he says, I want to open up the door to get you on these campuses. And I'm sitting here listening on the phone and God says, when you make the decision, I'll open the door. And I hung up the phone and I told him and I told her, I said, you're not going to believe. Well, then I talked to a guy yesterday I connected with because there's a third tier. It's a call. It's a call to families. Because the call to the campuses is that folks, we're hemorrhaging left and right, our, our Christian students who go into the university, they do not know how to defend what they believe. Do you understand that by the time a college student becomes a sophomore in, in college, and we've got some college I'm looking at y'all back here you are in church, which is a good thing. okay? By the time your, your average Christian Student who went to church, attended regularly, is a sophomore in college. Their their attendance drops off to almost nothing, and then it's the 80 percentile after that that those who leave and uh, who leave the church and are going to school, 80 percent do not return to church. And then there's another great percentage that never returns to church. So what does that mean? We're hemorrhaging right and left our students. So there's God strategically is putting people in there to speak to these students and equip them with the word of god and say no this is what god says don't let some pointy head intellectual professor throw you off your spiritual equilibrium so that's a call to do that then yesterday i am sitting there and I'm, I'm 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 praying in the holy spirit anticipating what i want to share with you today and the lord brought to my name a man that i knew his his i knew him back in jacksonville met him down there through another missionary and he was wanting me to come on with him with a, it's a leadership, it's a, like a, a consulting leadership team. And he's got people like Louis Palau and uh, John Maxwell. Um, uh, admiral vernon something i can't remember his last name he's got some heavy hitters on his board he is going into the country going into businesses and churches with leadership teams to help pastors are you aware that 1800 pastors lead the ministry every month in america let me say it again 1800 pastors lead the ministry every month in america They're washed out, burned out, they're hitting walls, and and they're frustrated because they they, they say, I don't feel equipped and trained and educated to do everything I'm supposed to be doing. So they're needing somebody like like Aaron and Err to come up under and say, let us help lift up your hands. One of the exciting things Kevin told me is that since the last time I've talked to him, he said, now this has gone international. He said, we are in 99 countries. And there's a demand for us to send leaders, pastors from America to help these pastors in these other countries. And he said, let you and I get together and talk about what we can do together. So folks, here, what's, here is what God has done. And hear me out now. I know what people are going to say. I know what people are saying outside here. But can I charge you? Can I appeal to you? Don't listen to that. Don't listen to gossip, Folks, this was not a failure. This was a test of faithfulness. And the ones who stood the test are sitting here. Because after all the heat and all the fire darts fill the shield up and it's getting heavy, I think I'm going to drop it. God says, good, you pass the test. And guess what I learned in school? Whenever you pass a test, what happens? You get promoted. And so the promotion comes for you and the promotion comes for me. You want to share Anything along those lines? Okay. Um, Let me give you a couple of dreams and then I want us to get ready for communion. I was asking, and and let me just preface this. I don't believe that you should wait on a dream or a vision in order to make a decision because sometimes God just will lead us. We'll be led by the Spirit and there are certain things we'll do that we'll look back and go, wow, I chose that and I went that direction. Look back and I was being led by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, though, strategically, God will give you dreams and study that throughout the scripture or give you visions, like the man from Macedonia with Paul. Come over here and help us. That was a direction, Lord. That was a specific call to go to a specific place. Well, folks, there's two that I want to share with you. One is that now in the last, I'd say, last three to four years, probably, I have now had literally... No exaggeration, hundreds of dreams of standing in front of college students and teaching them the Word of God. And it's in different scenarios, different places. I don't know where I am, but I'm standing there. And But the same common thread is that I'm put before um, college students. I believe having said that, somewhere up in the near future, God's going to have me teach Bible college students because of the Word that God has has put inside of me he's going to use that as an investment let me tell you what was one real clear, real clear prophetic insight that he showed me and this this dream's probably been about a month ago that he confirmed the direction Here's, here was the dream Deanna and I are standing on what looked to be an, un, uh, uh, an interstate under construction I think all of you know what an interstate is it's different from a highway you can tell it's an interstate Okay, so we're standing, and it's under construction. A driver comes up, and we get in the back of the car, and we start taking off. We're going along, and we looked over in the distance. By the way, we were sent off, but I'm not. There's actually a couple of dreams I wish I could tell you, but the Lord won't release me. But we were sent by someone. And um, you could see off in the distance. You know, if you've ever been out to Dallas, Texas, you know, you can see the, the, the skyline of, dallas from 25 miles away that's how flat it is all right y'all know from oklahoma you know you can see tulsa a long way um i could see this city but i could not make out the the skyline of what city it was there was no signature to it i believe that represented uh, a, just a regular city and in the city there were two towers there were two tall buildings and they were on fire exactly the way the the buildings were on fire on 9-11 so the city was in crisis and burning, and, and this driver was sent. I don't know who the driver was. He was just the driver. I believe he represented the Holy Spirit. He was driving us, and it, it, it wasn't even a nice car. I mean, it was like a little bug or something. It was just kind of just getting us along. Yeah, it might have been a you go, See, she has fun to sit beside during sermon. She can come up. It was a go. Um. So we're driving along, and there's not there's, there's, there's not much traffic because it's a, it's an interstate under construction. but we're driving along, and then we start going up this big, tall bridge. If you've ever been to St. Petersburg, there's the Skyway bridge that comes out of Tampa into St. Petersburg. That thing, I don't know how high it is, but it's for the, the big ships to go underneath it. you don't have to raise it up. So I'm talking you know maybe 20, 30 stories high. So, I mean, we're going up high, but the bridge didn't go over water. It was going over a series of streams, of rivers. And we went and we got to the top and started descending back down, and suddenly the bridge came to an end, and the driver drove off to where the bridge stopped. Now, if you've ever studied dreams, that's usually, cars are always, vehicles are a a, a symbol of ministry. And, and, and falling off is a sign of a crash. I thought, okay, great. But guess what? We fell off and hit the bottom in the marsh, but didn't crash. As we were falling, I grabbed down and said, hold on, we're going to hit, we're going to get hit, we're going to hit. We hit, and we, we kind of went, it didn't affect us. And we saw that the roadway had been paved from that point forward going into the city that was on fire. And the dream ended So think about this. A road under construction means something that was started but not finished. The fact that it went off to a certain place meant that it was going to hit a place that was going to be challenged, but we were going to get through it. The call was to a place of crisis, and I believe that that's a crisis in families. It's a crisis in students. It's a crisis of leadership in churches. And God is saying, I'm prophetically now releasing you to go to the city. Go to where the buildings are burning in, and when other people are running out, I want you to run in. So that's where we go now. And I want to ask you this. Come on, honey. I want to ask you, as I did last week, or I think. I think maybe I said this last week. I want to ask you, Release us.
2: I want to say to you again I've said to the Lord many times through my walk, I've questioned and said, Why did you call me? Because I struggle. I'm not a perfect man. I want to be a mighty man of God, but. There are things I struggle with. I've said, God, call somebody else. There are men better. They're better speakers. They're better leaders. They're better everything. And He's quick to remind me. He says, I didn't call you because you're perfect. He said, I called you because you were willing. This pastor has not been a perfect pastor. But my heart has always landed back in the direction of where he is. And I've already made up my mind like we sang this morning. I've decided. I've decided to follow him. I want to ask you to release us. Because if you don't there's always a soul tie, there's always something that there's, it, it can be a hindrance
0: if, if holding on to a pastor that you need to let go, and then believe God, because listen, church, and this is not hype, I say this
2: soberly. Our best days are not behind us. That's
3: right.
2: Our best days, your best days, our best days are ahead.
3: Yep.
2: You yep. stood the test, you stood with us. We believe together.
0: Now there's going to be a crown of reward. Now there's a blessing for those who endure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I want us to come with the worship team to come. And I ask them to save this song to the end because I guess when the kids learned it at camp, probably three years ago now, we started singing it and it's just become an anthem of this church. We set our hope on you. We set our hope on the one. Yes. The, ever, the everlasting God. And, and I want it to be like a declaration. Yes. Yes. What I want us to do is, is to, to conclude this morning, and not of sadness. I understand my tears. There's a part of me, if, okay, yeah, I am sad. But that's my flesh. The truth is, if you notice a little skip in my step on the way out, it's because I'm excited. Because we get to take a new adventure, and so do you. So it's not a time of sadness, it's a time of gladness. It's time for us to rejoice and celebrate. That's the reason not only do I want to celebrate communion, I want to go out and I hope somebody brought some banana pudding. I believe... It's everything. everything I, you know, banana pudding is going to be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't care who you are. You know... Oh, is that right? Oh, and y'all need to see their picture. When she was 17 and I don't know how, he had hair. He was 19. So y'all need to show everybody your picture. Come on, let's stand together and join us down front if you would. Dr. Larry, Rita, y'all come on down all the way down up front. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and start singing it over us. Everybody join. Kind of pull in tight because we're going to get communion together.
3: The Lord is my light and salvation. Who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Who shall I fear? Who shall I be afraid? I will. Who shall I fear? Who shall I So
0: God says when we partake of these elements that we're to examine ourselves. And it's real important, church, that we hold animosity toward no one. Uh, With malice toward none should be our, our decree that we will forgive everyone the way God has forgiven us and we will choose to love everyone the way God has loved us. So I just want you right there, and especially, you know, the Bible's real clear about that. If there's any unconfessed sin in your life right now, it's time to confess it and get that right. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's prepare our hearts. I'm going to ask Roger if you'd pray over the bread, and Dr. Rodden, if you'd pray over the cup this morning. Let's prepare our hearts, church.
4: before I pray I just want to say one thing I wasn't asked to say anything but I can't I can't leave here today without it my heart was set ablaze the first time I ever heard Pastor Bill speak at Faith Church and I walked up to him and I told him I said there's something about what you're preaching that lives inside of me and because of that there's ministries that have gone out of this church. Oh, yeah, I, I didn't expect to have to birth another church, see us birth another church for it all happened. But truly, we are a church that loves. And truly, we are a church that builds. And we are a church that goes. For many, many of the things that are unseen about our church is the fact that what he's taught and preached over these last years, along with Pastor Chris, and the others that have been so diligent to teach us is the, the truths of God, the foundations of God, that His love never changes, that He never leaves us and never fails us and never forsakes us. And because of that, He sent us out into the highways and the byways of life. And we've shared that with other people. So when you walk out these doors today, know this that God has seen these things. And that he's well pleased.